you freaking auto? This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Are you recovered yet? Have you have you recovered from hearing Morris sing once again? Mm. Mike speaking and, to me, or is that a rhetorical to the Kind of rhetorical. To Encore. the millions. The Encore. millions. The millions around Puget Sound. I got a, I just got a message on Twitter that says, that was freaking awesome. I'm so ready to run through a ton of spreadsheets right now. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Dave Williams. Drowning Pool is such a fun band. Very, very cool. Uh, Maura, great job, as always. If you missed Maura singing, uh, you'll have to go find the uh, podcast later at salesports.com or wherever you get your podcast. Or something tells me Maura may tweet out a mm. little video mm. of her singing a little bit later today, and you can find her. Was the uh, Will You Marry Me from the 253 or the 509? I think there were actually multiple. So, uh, yeah, people definitely like a like a good song like that. So at Mora underscore D-O-O-L. Mora, you ever karaoke? I know you uh, country line dance and that was in. Are you ever karaoke? Have you ever thought about? I I would do it when I went on vacation with my friends in Mexico where I knew I wouldn't see people. Mm. Okay. All right. (laughs) Which is why she records in the back room here. Well, nobody can Ah, see her there either. Nobody look at me. Nice job, Maura. Seriously, fantastic, fantastic work. Um, Brock, I, I sent you guys over an article last night. Uh, which was the uh, MLB trade rumors kind of breakdown on mm-hmm. where Matt Chapman could end up. And I kind of had mentioned yesterday, hey, if you want Matt Chapman, and I know there are folks out there who don't, and I've never been his biggest fan either, but he would complete this roster and I think kind of change the way you looked at heading into this regular season. So you kind of have look around like, all right, well, what would what would crater his value enough to kind of make this worth your time? And mentioned yesterday that one thing that would help would certainly be the Cubs getting Bellinger, which seems to be a likely destination. We'll see if that goes down. Well, here are the teams that were listed on the report here on potential fits for Matt Chapman. The Angels, the Blue Jays, the Cubs, the Giants, the Yankees, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Mariners. So that's eight teams. Almost a third of the league. Yeah, but let's run through some of those because I'm not convinced that a lot of these really work. I think. It and by comes the way, down when you mention trade rumors, that kind of throws a, a wrench in it because people think it's a. He's oh, not, sorry, it's no, not just the name of the site. Correct. MLB trade rumors, just a site. Okay. Angels, they stink. <laughs> like I just don't see that one happening. They're a bad team, and they have three years and 38 million left to pay Anthony Rendon to play third base. Right. So I'm going to cross off the Angels. I don't see that one as a very likely fit. The Blue Jays. Yes, he was just there, but they already kind of went over their money issues between each other, and they just added Justin Turner. Could it still happen? Yeah, but it's certainly no slam dunk. The Cubs, we just talked about, if this is sort of under the idea that they would get Bellinger, so that probably takes them out of the running. The Giants, they just signed Solaire, so this was written before that happened. The Yankees, that's a fit. And that that would not surprise me if he ended up in New York. They're right now planning to go with DJ LeMahieu at third base. He's been a second baseman. So, okay, I'll put the Yankees on the list. Mm-hmm. The Mets, the Mets stink. Like, like why? I guess he might want to be in New York and there's something to it, but that's not a good hitter's park. And they're a bad team. Mm-hmm. The Phillies, okay. Yeah, they're going to be a World Series contender. They do have Alec Boehm, who they like a lot there. But all right, I'll put the Phillies down. I think when you really look through this, mm-hmm. 
it's Yankees, Blue Jays, Phillies are the only three that I think are really legitimate. Yep. And then the Mariners, who are actually the best fit for Matt Chapman right now. Correct. Correct. Because, you know, if you're looking at it, if you're in the transfer portal and you're looking at opportunities of, okay, where are their established people? Where mm-hmm. are there, you know, maybe young people that are, that are ascending and, you know, that, that want to replace me? Yeah, this is uh, the one area of, quote, unquote, vulnerability as far as positional players go. Short. Catcher first, second, right field, center field, left field. Kind of have answers. Kind of have a lot of people slotted. If there's one spot there and it is, you know, Urias and, and Rojas right now, mm-hmm. neither of them established by any means everyday third baseman that have the resume and the pedigree that you do to first and foremost play the position defensively, which is important. We know that in this park. We know that with this pitching. We know how many one-run games and how much that tier tottered the whole season last year, that in 22 you win those and you get to the second round of the playoffs. In 23 you lose those and you miss the playoffs by a game, game and a half. And, you know, as you have mentioned multiple times, the defensive metrics on this team going in. Eh, iffy. Iffy. Yeah, a step back, certainly, from what you've seen the last couple of years, for sure. Yeah, because homeboy over there the last couple of years at third base played a great third base. Mm-hmm. He followed in the footsteps of a Kyle Seager. There was a Gold Glover that did a lot of good things at third base, and there was no drop-off with Gino. Two years, man, he dialed that thing in, struck out a lot. You know, there were maybe some other conditioning issues or what have you going in last year. Maybe he was too jolly at times. Who knows? And kind of one-dimensional offensively, but not defensively. That dude was locked down at the corner. Yeah. In this ballpark, that matters. Yeah, so I, I, I guess, look, as I've mentioned a few times, it's not perfect. Matt Chapman's not the perfect bat for this lineup, but he is an upgrade on what you have now. He would solidify some of the defense, and his market is not what he would have hoped it would be just based on the way some of these you know, various teams, the directions they went, the money that wasn't out there from a lot of the teams this year, what's going on with the finances and baseball and the RSN issues what throughout the game. What did he turn four years and $100 million? I think it was four years, 100 Oh, my God. I know. Yeah, and he's not going to get that now. It would be shocking. What did you say Soler got? Three years, 42? 14, yeah, 14 a year? 14 a year. Yeah, I mean, I would think that a deal for him is probably a little above that, but not a whole lot. Mm. He does bring the defense that Soler does not. But Soler's probably a little bit better hitter. So, yeah, I, I, I he's not perfect. I, I really don't want anyone to hear me say this is the perfect Mariner. Not a great contact guy, right? No, he's not a perfect a contact guy. Mm-hmm. But he's got 25 home run power for sure. And he is going to play tremendous defense. He's got a couple of seasons. I mean, he had one really bad year. And he hasn't been the player that was consistently putting up those 800-plus OPS numbers the first few years Was that really bad career. year in Oakland? It was his last year in Oakland where he yeah. had a 716 OPS. Before that, it was like 785, 864, 848. Do you have his numbers pulled up right now? 812, yeah. Eight, yeah Just I out know. of curiosity, can you go to the splits section yep. and see as a guy that played in Oakland a bunch for a lot of those years and played in the division before the new scheduling, so there were a lot of bats in T-Mobile Park mm-hmm. and then even in Toronto – as that team has traveled to Seattle the last couple of years, multiple times, I'm just kind of curious. Do you curious. want the home road splits? Nah, give me a little split 
with T-Mobile. Oh, jeez. Yeah, okay. yeah, I know. Just keep on digging. I'll just keep talking. It's what I do. I get that's that's going to take questions. a little bit longer here. I get paid to ask great questions. I get paid every once in a while to. You want his to... career numbers here? Yeah, I want they're his not career. Great. I want his career they're not, numbers. They're not very good. <laughs> well, I, don't act like that doesn't play any role for a player that knows this well, park and what's. But comes is that also it. because he's been playing against the Mariners pitching for all of that time, which has been tremendous? Yeah, uh, he's a 180 hitter no, here no. with a 531 OPS. It's not very good. Yeah. Four home runs. Mm. Yep. He's mm. not, he's never really been very good against the Mariners in either park, quite frankly. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you kind of look at his numbers in general yeah. against Seattle and it does get better if you include yeah. what he did there, but he's been a, you know, a subpar hitter yep. against the Mariners in general. I just, he, again, not perfect, but he's an upgrade. He's not perfect. Five, did you say 531 OPS? Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, by the way, Mitch Garver's never had a hit here. <laughs> So I mean, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna go down that logic, right? I mean, like, yeah. I think what's yeah. so funny to me, is I think that was zero for forty three or something. In, like in this in this conversation, we're willing to consider whether T Mobile's a bad hitter's park or not. Right. But once the season starts, there's no excuses. <laughs> like right now, oh, you yes. can't sign him here. You can't hit a T Mobile. Right. Well, hey, these guys are struggling to hit a T Mobile. Whatever. It's not a real thing. Like. The okay. Pirates didn't. They just bombed nine <laughs> home runs on your head. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So obviously there's no uh, issue here. Anyway, my understanding, by the way, is that he's got a, the right personality to fit well on this team as well. Mm-hmm. He would complete this roster. You could then trade Urias and bring back a reliever or another starter, whatever you need. It, it would it would be a good move. Okay. It's not perfect, but it would certainly be a move that would complete this roster heading into uh, this season. And we'll see if he's able to find a home between now and the beginning of April. We'll come right back. Give you guys everything you need to know. We got a ranked for you at 945. There's a lot going on. It's Brock and Salk Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I certainly enjoyed meeting Mike McDonald yesterday. Uh, thanks to everybody who's had an opportunity to check out that interview, whether it's at SeattleSports.com or on our YouTube page. Where what I know YouTube, like forty thousand people watch that thing on YouTube, which is really YouTuber. cool. Yeah, you like that? Sure. Well, because then you can see him. You can kind of see what he looks like and uh-huh. uh, see him chugging water throughout most yeah. of the uh, interview. He was uh, thirsty and and certainly making. Uh, Making a dent in that water bottle. When you're chasing edges, you're thirsty, okay? Yeah, so what does he mean by that? Chasing edges, you asked him specifically, what's the origin of the term? Here's what he said. This is something that was in Baltimore from John that he, he had mentioned a couple times, and we've and we, him and I have had conversations with about you know the, the Baltimore program, but my mentality is take that in terms of, it was more schematics, Brock, you know, yeah. in Baltimore, but um, it really resonated with me about how you want to build your program. And I just think that it's so competitive in the NFL and it's so difficult to win and you win on the margins. And so if we can have the mentality here in Seattle, regardless, like even just how we operate with our PR department, this is just, you know, video, all those types of things, how we generate information, uh, how we coach our guys, the drills that we do, messaging to the team, just every aspect of our program. If we have the mentality where we're trying to push the envelope, trying to win on the margins. I just, I think that's, that's the only way to go about it, you know, to win, to win in this, in, in the NFL. How do you go from good to great? This team's good. This team's been good the last couple of years. Make the playoffs one year, miss it the next year. I mean, you're, you're right there. You're a good team. How do you go from good to great? And I think you said it right there perfectly, man. It's the margins. It's the littlest of details. It's six to eight plays a game. How does San Francisco not win a Super Bowl? Well, on the most critical couple downs, 
You, Trent Williams, got to do your job. Mm. Offensive line, you can't bust assignment on that right side and leave Chris Jones totally free. The tiniest little details, man, it is a thin line of march in between. Not, not every team in the league. There's bad teams, rebuilding teams, everything. You're a good team. Go from good to great. Even Chase the bad those edges. Teams have really good players on them. I mean, yes, like, as we know, they can almost always win any week. Yep. Yeah, those 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 small marginal differences do end up factoring in. Uh, the writer has since been disgraced, but that was essentially the book about the Tampa Bay Rays. How did they win, right? What was it, the extra 3% or extra 2%? Mm-hmm. Just looking for those little ways that they could try to beat the house. And if you can do that with the kind of resources the Seahawks have, should be in some pretty good shape. Here's the second thing you need to know. Pitchers and catchers, tomorrow they will be uh, reporting for duty. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you. Tomorrow, the spikes clanking at Peoria. Tomorrow, I, I probably would have sang that. Yeah. Had I won. Well, that would have been good. It wouldn't have been as good as more. <laughs> it's really too bad that it didn't come <laughs> to that. Um, this rotation set, man. Luis Castillo is going to pitch opening day. George Kirby, Logan Gilbert to follow. And then Bryce Miller, fourth. I think Brian Wu ends up being the fifth starter. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably, because of that, they're able to protect him. Remember, he's the guy who had the surgery, Tommy John surgery, when he was in the minors. The workload is a bit of an issue for him. And so if you have him as your fifth starter and kind of work things around, he doesn't need to pitch on regular rest until May. That's the goal. I think that's that's the way you probably do it. Yeah, there were a lot more innings last year. And down the stretch, Mm -hmm. you know, after hitting a little bit of a rough spot in August, kind of found himself a little bit there in September. And by the way, you want a little uh, Cy Young odds? Once again, speaking to the uh, Mariners, American League favorites going in. Let's see. Where is... Got Garrett Cole, number two. Some guy in Minnesota I've never heard of. Tigers, Corbin Burns. Yeah, we get down to George Kirby. Best odds, actually. Mm. A little higher than Luis Castillo. But both Kirby and Castillo right there in the top ten, speaking to the strength of this team. Here's the third thing you need to know. Uh, the Kraken are struggling badly. Uh, lost again last night. That's two straight coming out of the break. Got to try to turn it around very quickly with a game tonight in Long Island. Um, I saw today that 13 NHL coaches have turned over, I think, since the start of last year. Yes. So nearly half the league since the start of last year. Yes. That's pretty crazy. And it shows you just the kind of pressure that those guys are under. And I don't want to sit here and just say the moment you lose two or three games in a row, fire the coach, fire the coach. That's not what this is about. But it is interesting to me that Dave Haxtall right now, he's probably in the top 10 in terms of longest tenured coaches in the NHL. I'd have to look it up, but yeah. my guess is he's in the top 10. And, you know, time is a little bit of the essence here, not just for this season, is, you know, you're getting into the third quarter of a four-quarter season, but also mm-hmm. you have a trade deadline in, what, three weeks or so? Yeah. And you got to kind of figure out, I'll be kind of curious, right, in this build, year one, expansion team, year two, huge step, year three, a little bit of a step backwards right now on a team that just does not have, as you've said consistently, a bunch of star power. Is there an opportunity at the trade deadline to go one way or the other? I mean, this isn't year one. This isn't year two. This is year three now yep. that you've started to draft and develop and know your team a little bit. Some of these results, I think, over the next few weeks will be pretty critical in that decision-making. Yeah, good point. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know uh, quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salt so Show. So 14 years, been around a bunch of different coaches. I've obviously on the road, as I am, Salk, so see a lot more coaches. Mike McDonald remind you of anybody as you sat with them yesterday, as you listened to them. 
you know, as you, as you have seen different coaches maybe come through, obviously not many here in Seattle. It's mm. just, it's just been Pete, but you know, you've seen coaches from afar and, and watched them from afar to McDonald kind of strike you as anybody. Is that Sean McVay comp fit? Right. Remember there was uh, I forget if that was, Ian, I think it was Ian Rappaport that said, Hey, this guy's interviewed a bunch of places and you're hearing he's the defensive minded Sean McVay. The mm. voice is different. Very, very different. I don't know. It's hard for me. I haven't really been around that many, including McVay. No, I, I don't know that he necessarily reminded me of anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you haven't been around him, but you've listened to a lot of them. You've watched a lot of them. You've had an opinion on a lot of different guys through the years, right? And certainly over the course of this search, there was a lot of Rabel conversation and Quinn conversation and all the other candidate conversation. As he sat with him, he didn't, he, maybe, maybe, maybe not even a football coach. Did he remind you of anybody that, you know, is a manager or different people that you've been around? No. It's a little. I, I'm with you. It's a little I, hard. I can't come up with anybody no. Be- because he is only 36 years old. Yeah, I mean, Salky is like nine years younger than you, bro. I know. How about that? Did you feel like the elder with the gray in your beard yesterday? Not really. I no. don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't come across as super young. He looks young. Think so? I think so. Yeah, he's got great skin. I think he looks very young. He's got a nice head of hair. He's, he's got wonderful hair. There's no doubt. Your, your list for the next interview is skincare routine. Yeah, yeah. He's well Maybe put he uses together. that Michael Sarah V stuff that yeah. uh, we saw advertised at the Super Bowl. Are you? I can't no, he's do got it. a good set of hair. He's pretty well put together. He's ripped. Um, if there's it, one of many frustrations Molly has with me, yeah, I just don't lotion my face. Yeah, me neither. I, just, I don't it's like gross. To do it. I hate it. It feels hate awful. It. I hate it. I don't want that on my face. Justin, you lotion your face? Justin's not in her. You have to walk away. Yeah. I put snail mason on my face. (laughs) I know. Heather's disgusted by the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, All right, here you go. Here are the list of uh, NHL coaches by tenure. You ready? Yep. John Cooper in Tampa since 13, Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, Jared Bednar, Rod Brindamore, Sheldon Keefe, Lindy Ruff, Don Granato, Dave Haxtall, eighth. Number eight. Isn't that crazy? Wow. They have the eighth longest tenured head coach in hockey. That's remarkable. So coaches are replaceable. Well, yeah, and it's funny. When you look at most of these teams, I mean, John Cooper's had a tremendous amount of success. So is yep. Sullivan. So is Bednar. He's won a yep. cup. Rod yep. Brindamore has been around for a long, long time. Uh, Toronto, that one's a little surprising. And then Lindy Ruff's a Hall of Famer. Don Granato, okay, fine. And then Haxtell. Hmm. Crazy. Really, really interesting to see him in that group. All right, take a quick break. Uh, we got a couple things left to get to today before we do some ranking. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. One thing we got from Mike McDonald yesterday was a confirmation that he knows they have some difficult decisions to make on their roster coming up. Geno Smith is the one certainly that is the most important, the largest and pressing here in just a couple of days, but maybe not the only one. And Brock, as we were kind of talking through this yesterday, there may be some other folks to consider. Yeah. And just by the way, if you're wondering what the heck that is, and we talk about this so often and think about it so often, Salk, that we just assume everybody knows come Friday, like a lot of these contracts, the Seahawks have structured over the years, as Brady has told us, five days after the Super Bowl, which is Friday, players want to put in their deal, like Gino and his agent did, a guarantee of the following year's money. And in this case, 12 and a half million bucks becomes guaranteed on Friday. It's mm-hmm. one of those, hey, man, you know, I'd like to structure my deal in such a way that I know I'm here. You've got to make a decision on me. And, you know, that's about half of the money. Another $9 million comes due in a roster bonus about a month later. So... 
22 and a half of his $23 million becomes guaranteed in the middle of March. And he knows I'm the guy. This team's going to be built around me. I am the starter on this team. And if you're going to, you know, guarantee that kind of dough. So that decision's Friday, but it's not just what Geno Smith is. Brady texted you and I last night. Remember who else got a significant contract last year? The biggest, in fact, in free agent in the free agency in the 13, 14 years that John Schneider's been a Seahawk GM. Draymond Jones. You ready to guarantee Draymond Jones money for next season? It's an interesting question. He certainly didn't have a bad year. It's not like you would look at him and say that guy wasn't a good, productive player. He mm -hmm. was. The question with Dre Jones is probably twofold. One, does he fit with what Mike McDonald's defense does? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Right. right? Like it might be a compromised fit, but I'm sure a player like that, you'll find a way to bring out what, to, what he does best. Mm -hmm. So I'm certainly not going to say hard. No. I mean, there's a, there's a way to get a good player like Draymond Jones on the field, mm -hmm. but I think there's a reasonable question as to whether or not he's the ideal fit, given the size that we've seen out of the Mike McDonald defenses, both at Michigan and especially yeah. in Baltimore. Yeah. That is going to be the one challenge for him is he's a little bit of a tweener physically. Mm-hmm. Right at 280, 290 pounds, he is not a road grader, space eater, difference maker inside, which is at what Michigan and Baltimore has had. I mean, some big war daddies, 330, 340. Tavondre Sweat, think of that guy down at Texas. He would absolutely be a fit within this scheme and within this system to just eat up two bodies, to win that math matchup I talk about all the time. So can your four beat those five? And when you get one of those road graders on the inside, see also Michigan's defense last year, 340-pound difference maker, athlete that can move and bounce around a little bit, it sure helps everybody else. You know, if, if Mike McDonald's a numbers guy and finance is all about finding solutions, mm -hmm. well, if I got four D linemen, how can those four offset five offensive blockers? Get one of those road hogs right in the middle of it to eat up two of those blockers. Yeah, so he doesn't necessarily fit that way. And the other compounding problem is Leonard Williams, who you traded a second round pick for. The assumption was certainly that you'd like to resign him. Yep. And I think you make a pretty good case that he's a better player and a better fit. He's right a better now. fit inside. You know, he's six, seven. He's unbelievably long. He leverages or six, six. He leverages very, very well. He does take up those blockers. He has played in some similar systems in his time in New York and everything else. And yeah, man, he would be my number one free agent priority. As far as the unrestricted free agents for the Seahawks, Jordan Brooks and him are probably one and one A. And in the front seven, that's got to get right for a defensive-minded head coach that's going to call those plays defensively. Those two guys are numbers changers. They're difference makers. And those are priorities. Mm -hmm. Now, one year and one and done with Dre? I don't know. Man, you're going to be eating up some money. You do free up some cash. Yep. But I don't. That doesn't strike me. I, I don't think that uh, this team has really done that. Well, first of all, they hadn't really committed in the first wave of free yeah, agency. It also just seems like there's so many other ways to free up some of that space. And we talked about the amount of resource. So for the record, could I see it happening? Yes. Would I want it to happen? Probably not. I like what Draymond Jones brought to the table last year. Mm -hmm. I would like to see both him and Leonard Williams back in some capacity and used maybe in some different ways. I think that you've got so many resources tied up at safety and at wide receiver that those are the places I would be looking to find the money. Yes. Would not want to deplete from a group that you need to increase with. Mm -hmm. 
it would just leave yet another bigger hole. And he is a physical dude that loves ball. I think he enjoys to play. I think we watched him last year. As you said, he wasn't maybe a plus-plus player, but by no means was he a negative player and a little bit above league average. And, you know, do you hope within, you know, these scheme and, and a new voice and, and, you know, just new messaging, everything else, that maybe there's a little more. Maybe there's a little bit more pop in him mm-hmm. in, in a scheme. And, by the way, he probably played a little better, too, when Achenna was in the house. Like that whole rush defense, that whole group played a whole lot better when he had a stabilizing, set the edge, chasing edge, difference maker. Yeah, they had him doing some of that. How was he at the edge setting himself? I think he was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think that that would be one of his strengths with his length and power and size. Now, was he a twitchy, dynamic pass rusher on the edge? Not necessarily. You know, but one you of weren't the, really looking for that. It was more, you know, sort of the old Bruce Irvin thing of like set an edge on first and second down, stabilize that edge, right? Yep. And then on maybe you move inside Michael Bennett style on on a passing situation. Yep. yep. Yeah, I think he's going to be around. I, I, as you said, I think if you're going to free up some money and I mean reallocate some some you know cash and cap space, mm-hmm. there's other places to do it. Yeah, we could almost go through a lot of the players that are out there and just sort of maybe give a percentage chance you think they're back. Maybe we'll go through that in a little bit more detail tomorrow. But the other one is, of course, Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we played this cut earlier. I'll play it again because when asked about who which players he's been talking to, McDonald mentioned the quarterbacks, but... A, he mentioned them in an odd order, and B, he mentioned two of them when there's only one currently on the roster. Yeah, so we're working our way through the guys slowly but surely, but right now the quarterbacks, you know, Drew and Gina have been the main guys we've talked to, and then we're working our way through now. But I just my message to the guys has just been, hey, look, be patient. We're trying to spend a lot of time. You know, I'm on a lot of Zooms right now, a lot of phone calls with coaches and stuff, so – um, but we're setting some time, some some time out each day to, to talk to I mean, call the, the guys. The fact that Drew and Gino are the yeah. two main guys he's talked to. Yes, right. he mentioned Drew first. I don't know mm-hmm. if there's anything to that. That's not gonna. That doesn't pique my interest. Mm-hmm. But Drew Locke's an unrestricted free agent. free agent. Yeah, and they've already been in touch. He's one of the first couple guys, the main guys he's been talking to. Mm-hmm. That strikes me as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said this earlier, and I think I would agree with this, just with some of the background that that I have and conversations that, you know, it, it, and heck, John Schneider alluded to this in his presser that Tuesday <laughs> after Pete left that they would have one heck of a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like over the years of all the different dis- different decisions and all the free agents and all the draft picks and all the personnel moves and all the stuff that they covered for and all, oh my gosh, would that be some kind of intel and interesting? Right. But we know that at times, naturally, you're going to have friction. You're going to have a difference of opinion. You're going to have Pete that loves this guy and John that's like, no, Pete, can't do it. And 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 I'm sure there are times that, that Pete flexes muscle and said, I hear you, but I want Percy Harvin mm-hmm. and I'll reach Percy Harvin. And I can treat Percy Harvin in a way that nobody else did. And I have a, a grace and a, and I empower my players and I'm going to, I'm going to get the most out of Percy. Well, Percy was very temperamental. No, you're not. Percy had a lot of issues. <laughs> no, you're not. And unfortunately that one just didn't work. And I think that that was clearly a Pete. I think on the flip side of that, I think Drew Locke's a John Schneider guy. Mm-hmm. I think John sees more in Drew Locke than just about anybody else does in that building. He has. He kind of wanted him. I think he he knows some of the the arm talent that we saw. 
You know, he won a big game on Monday night, Salk. Took him down on that last drive of the game. Yep. And and you want to talk about, you know, just kind of managing and creating belief and these things that the quarterback's got to do. Well, I think you can even go beyond that, Brock. I mean, you can start to write a pretty good script for why the Seahawks would decide to move on and go with Drew Locke instead of Geno Smith next year. Mm-hmm. And it, in, it involves a few things. One, as you just said, John Schneider seems to really like him, huge supporter, and traded for him. I mean, like actively went out and traded Russell Wilson for him. Two, Pete was absolutely Gino's biggest supporter, whereas we heard John after the season a little bit more. What did Brady say? Tepid. Tepid in his assessment of Gino's season. I'm going to go back to that whole weird situation where Gino didn't play in that game, even though he was just about ready to play, and then we got the injury guarantee and all of that, Mm -hmm. where you started saying, geez, if Pete was pushing so hard for him to play, who was, and Gino wanted to play, mm-hmm. who was Pete referring to when he said that he wasn't allowed to play him? Mm-hmm. That that never left my brain. And we can sit here and say, oh, these things mean nothing. And Salk, you're just being a conspiracy theorist. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But usually they mean something. And the fact that Pete wanted him to play yeah, and Gino wanted to we play. We were fighting to the very end. We were fighting to make it happen. Right. And we know and he from, said he was told not to play him. Well, we also know from information that it was a pretty heated conversation mm-hmm. in the locker room after that warm up. So, Gino so, wanted to go. Part of Pete put, wanted put him to all go. Put that together and then throw in the fact that he's mentioned Drew Locke a couple of times. I, I think you can write a pretty good story that says they may prefer Drew Locke moving forward to Geno Smith. doesn't mean it's going to happen and it may not happen late this week. But it's at least something that is within the realm of possibility. Well, if you were to love, okay, so just add another little wrinkle to this. If if Mike McDonald was to say, and even in the interview process, mm-hmm. hey, man, while you're at Michigan, I know you had J.J. when he was young. What do you think? And Mike McDonald's like, John, this is the dude, man. He's got it. He's He's got he's it. He's got it. You know, there's a reason that Jim didn't win for a lot of years there like seven years he didn't mm-hmm. win and the whole conversation was when is he going to get a quarterback when is that difference maker when is not a guy when is the guy going to be there and john this is the guy well, 27 and one in michigan and john then, and then he beat ohio sudden, state three straight years john drew lock and and jj mccarthy make some sense and you move on from gino and maybe you can trade him or mm-hmm. maybe you just end up cutting him I still believe that if you're looking to draft a quarterback at number 16, you need to free up some more resources because you have such intense needs on the line of scrimmage. And that's why I kind of ended up writing this column and that your, Mm -hmm. your theory there would certainly play right into it, which is, Hey, at Michigan, they didn't build with all kinds of wide receiver options for JJ McCarthy. They built around the line of scrimmage. And right now the Seahawks second and third highest paid player in their offense are Gino or after Geno Smith are DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I agree with everybody. Lockett's probably going to be restructured or let go. But DK could bring you back something legitimate in a trade. Mm-hmm. And if you restructured Lockett and you spent on on Jackson Smith and Jigba, could you find a replacement for DK Metcalf either later in the draft or in free agency that wouldn't be as good? DK's a great player but would be added to a maybe first and second round pick that would allow you to replenish what you need on the line of scrimmage while still taking J.J. McCarthy yep, or whomever you like at 16. Yep. And I think you start to understand why maybe Mike McDonald mentioned three times that he's getting a little impatient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there is a lot of like, 
just pertinent. Can we can we get through these coaching hires? Can, can we can we round out this 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 staff? Can we just get this done, please, so we can get to these other really pressing issues? Like I don't know, free agents, our own free agents, the league free agents. Can we get to the combine so we can really evaluate all these guys so you can see what I see in JJ McCarthy that maybe others don't see because I was around it every day and 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 I watched us beat Ohio State for the first time in Jim's tenure because this dude just creates a sense of belief. Like, you know all of these things that he wants to get to, <laughs> mm. but man, there's a lot of hay you got to put in the barn beforehand. That's for sure. All right, well, so that's kind of where we're at with the Seahawks. Big couple of days, and then obviously a whole lot more to come after that once we get into free agency, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, you can read what I what I wrote. It's at seattlesports.com. I know there's people who are frustrated by it or saying it's clickbait or saying that I hate DK. That's all totally wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just an exercise in trying to figure out how do you – open up the resources you need to turn this roster into a balanced roster instead of what it is right now, which I think is imbalanced towards the positions that are of less value. Yeah. And I would even argue, I don't know if you want balance. If you're going to imbalance, I guess I should say rebalance at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Right. If you're going to have some sort of imbalance, do what a lot of other teams have and Mm -hmm. cover up a lot of ills when you've got four just game records on your defensive line. Or, you know, you've got an offensive line like Detroit that made Jared Goff into a very different player than a Jared Goff without great help in front of him. So, yeah, I think it's more of uh, getting to and you hire Mike because he's a line of scrimmage guy because he sets those edges, he chases those edges, and getting to that line of scrimmage is going to be pertinent for this organization. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwumfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Salk. Top ten list. I'm not buying it. Ranked. Somehow, Brock, we've never ranked unders. Never ranked unders. Really? I know. Doesn't that surprise you? Surprised under. Under. Yeah, not unders. Like udders? Yeah. Yeah, no, no not udders. Or like udder Not phrase. udders. <laughs> I wasn't thinking of udders like the way you would Like just a like, cow? Nope. That's not the way I was thinking. Okay. Mm. I wasn't sure. <laughs> anyway, under, like over under. <laughs> like trapped under ice. Well, Metallica. I can't get believe your, that. You were so started. excited just, about that one. That I, I know. I love that song. Playing not top first. five, though. You know how Honorable. horrible that thought is? Being trapped under ice? I know. Yeah, that's on Ride the Lightning backside. Well, I'm watching all of that new True Detective season four, and I think about it a lot watching that show. No, thank you. I am out on that. Uh, Brock, I know you love the clothing company. We must protect this house! Yes, Under Armour. Jordan had a pretty good game. Pretty good weekend, rather. Speaking of Under Armour. He did. Top six, I think he was. putting is short. Oh, it's awful. Something has happened to his short putting. He, like, can't do it. It's tough to watch. Very tough to watch. Uh, You know Bob's band, The Live and End, they did Under My Skin. Bob Stone singing. Yeah. That's Bob Stone singing. Yeah. I know. I, I cannot picture Bob singing with his long hair. Yeah. Yeah. Do you picture him at 170 pounds with? Do you, do you do you picture him at 170 pounds with long hair? Not the 170 pounds part. I can picture the long hair part. I picture him just massive out there, like uh, Glenn Danzig. Just like. but he wasn't. I mean, you saw him back in his day. <laughs> I know. Right? It's crazy. Anyway, that's Bob and his band. I got a little bone skin. to pick with the afternoon show, by the way. Oh, yeah? That's I didn't a good like idea. the way their show note. Didn't like the way their show note and left go put that on the paper. <laughs> I wasn't picking on Wyman about marrying a cheerleader. Good. I just had reference, like, you're going to have something in common. In fact, the picture right behind my right. Mike McDonald in our studio right down there at the VMAT. True. Has the one great 9 2 in it, Dave Wyman. 
Picture Nothing Bob looking Mary like truly. Casey Jones from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's what I think of. Very specific reference. Seriously. It's a good reference. Yeah, no, it's good. Oh, listen uh, to poor Morris. She's got no voice. I know. She's done <laughs> after singing Let the Bodies at the Floor. After uh, doing like 10 takes of it. You got Digital Underground. You got Velvet Underground. When's the last time we took the Underground Tour? I did do. I've done that before. The burnt out. It's so long. I did that yeah, last when, summer. When really? was the last time? Yeah, with the kids. Mo- when was the last time me and Molly danced at the Down Under? Oh. Where's the Down Under? Eh, no longer around. <laughs> okay. when's, when's the last time you heard Men at Work? How is this It's close. Yeah. Vegemite sandwich. I know it's a really good song. Have you ever had a Vegemite sandwich? I've had Vegemite, not a whole sandwich of it. I've never had it. It's good. Is it really? Yeah, I had it in in. Uh, Australia, New Zealand. What is Vegemite? Is it like spam? No, it's like a, it's like a, almost like a jam. Oh, really? Yeah. It's really huh. salty. Right? It's very, it's like a weird salty jam. Sort of hard to describe. You kind of just have to eat it. They love it though. It's pretty good. Hmm. Uh, we got some Dream Theater. It's a great song. I saw Dream Theater a few times. They're terrific live. Yeah, there's the, I, I would see them. There's certainly a thought out there that if Rush tours without Neil Peart, that Mike Portnoy would be a pretty mm. good replacement. Yeah, yeah, that'd be would. pretty special. Uh, the Animals, Brock. Please don't let me be misunderstood. Misunderstood. It's in there. It's the Animals. I know you like that. Uh, this was actually what made me think of it. I've been listening to more like... British new wave music recently. I don't know why I've gone back to like eighties for the for British Aiden? new wave for what for, for the new defense coordinator. Aiden? Maybe, yeah, maybe uh-huh. he likes this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, this band is not British; they're from Australia. But uh-huh. do you know the song? Is this like? So I mean, this, this, I just think of the Cure when I hear. This. I mean, it sort of sounds like the Cure, so but with a much you, deeper voice. Is this like what predated emo music? Then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So is that what you're into right now? Are you going through an emo phase? Uh, maybe I am. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Okay. I've been listening to like that and the Smiths oh, and stuff that I used sure to hate. An emo phase. I used to hate all that stuff. Wow. I don't know. Middle-aged now. I've been kind of going back and listening to Underrated it. Underrated line for Mike McDonald. Uh, what's up, Morris? Sorry, I can hardly hear you. Your voice is shot. What? We might need to dig into Salk's emo face. Yeah, you might. What's going on? I don't know what's There's going on. Emo era. Yeah. Dude, an underrated line by Mike McDonald yesterday. Underrated? Underrated line. Talking about Aiden Durd, the new yeah. defensive coordinator, saying, first time I talk to him, or people are going to hear him talk, they think he's going to be with the Sounders. <laughs> That's a good line. Well, Let me throw a few out here because we got a, a bunch to just mention. Underneath it all, no doubt. Under my thumb, the Rolling Stones. Yep. Lords of the Underground. Oh, the people under the stairs, one of my favorite movies of all time. For sure. Six Underground by the Sneaker Pimps. I do like that song a lot. You're not going to say it. The Rescuers Down Under. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. You're ah, right. I love that movie. Uh, Carrie Underwood. You're going to do uh, the band you saw at Coachella, their album? Uh, Tool yeah. did uh, Undertow, right? Mm-hmm. Rush did Grace Under Pressure. We talked about the one pair of underwear Justin wore his whole two weeks <laughs> in Morocco. <laughs> the movie Underworld, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Undercover Brother, Six Feet Under, Under Siege, uh, Brock. I know you love that one. Did you just toss that underwear, that one pair, after you were done? You light, didn't bring that home, Lighten the right? load, man. Let's get yeah, rid of everything. Good. You ever wear underoos? Nope. You, an under, you weren't an underoos guy as a kid? I don't think so. Interesting. All right. Are you ready for the top five, Brock? Bingo. Bingo. Number five. What more did you look in for under the sea? It's a classic. 
Sebastian the Crab. Never really thought about why he had that accent before. It's a crab. I don't know. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> don't think too deeply on it. That would be my uh, suggestion. Okay. Yeah. Don't don't think too deeply. That's uh that's number five. Number four. Hold on. Where is his theme here, Brock? Number four. The Undertaker's music. Paul Bearer coming out to introduce him. R.I.P. R.I.P. Paul Bearer. Yeah. <laughs> it's number four. Oh, this is a good one. More. Why didn't you bring this up? Thunder from Down Under. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! One of the most mortifying experiences of my life. <laughs> Not surprised. My sister and her friends wanted to go to her bachelorette there. I didn't. It's. It's what? gross. Yeah. It's gross. Well, it's at, first of all, it's, it's at the... Like a bunch of old um, ladies just Usher like... You thought sweaty? Right. As a sweaty guy pours water down himself, old ladies trying to like uh, lap it up. It's uh, ew, uh, disgusting. Well, it's all at the Excalibur too, so there's got to be a smell. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. no good. Yeah. I would not nasty. recommend. It's carpeted. Uh, Rock, what about your least favorite test? Uh, Draft? Uh, they put the college players through? The Wonderlick test. Oh, the Wonderlick test. Yeah, oh that's, a, that's a stretch. That's a stretch right there. Number, we got to get through these. Number three. The Drifters. Old school, Brock. It's a great song. That's number three. Number two. This is a massive hit when it came out. Massive. What are we doing now, then? The ones I thought were number one are all gone. Really? Yeah. I really thought you were going to save Undertaker. What is it? I think number one should be fairly obvious, Justin. Oh. One of the great collaborations of all time. Freddie Mercury and Queen joining with David Bowie. And then later, um, Borrowed by Vanilla Ice. Not Undercover Brother. That didn't quite make it. Nor did the Under the Tuscan Sun. Vanilla Ice explaining that their beat is different is yeah. one of the funniest. I love that. <laughs> no, because mine one goes dun 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 dun. Yeah, you got it. Ice. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, well, that's a day. More a great job today. Fantastic singing. Uh, I'm sure you'll be posting a video later for people to see. I wasn't sure about that hot one, but people are hot asking. Water, please. lemon, Thank cayenne, you, honey. Okay. Get that voice back for yeah. tomorrow. That's key. Have no fear. Underdog is here. Yeah. All right. We got to go. Uh, stick around for Bump and Stacy. They're coming up next. We'll be back tomorrow morning KJ? at 6 a.m. We KJ. will have the final KJ Wright show of the season at 8 o'clock. We'll talk to you guys then. Until then, the hey. Barnes. See you, everybody. Get to the chopper.